let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. I am here live on the latest from the Fitness Fix podcast with my friend Lexi Bohr, owner and founder of Lexi's Kitchen Co., currently located in Westfield, New Jersey, with big plans to expand beyond. Um, and we will get more into that during the show today. But I'm really excited to have Lexi on as a guest. And while we didn't record this on the exact order that all of these episodes are going to come out today, is technically December 1st, start of a new month. Pretty wow. crazy. December 1st, 2020, wrapping up the final month of a year that I think we are all happy to kick to the curb (laughs) for sure. Lexi and I have a really similar story. And for that reason, I'm planning on using her as my very first episode to kind of mirror and talk about what's happened in both of our lives in the last year and a half and how we've made a lot of lemonade out of some pretty sour lemons. And I'm using the food analogy, not lightly (laughs) because this girl's a whiz in the kitchen and she'll get more into her story in a second. But just as a little bit of background, Lexi is a former pro tennis player, big part of who she is as a person today, went to Boston College, played tennis professionally there, um, got into a relationship that kind of influenced the path that she took from that point on. And um, she actually went to school for a little while. She like left and went to boarding school in Florida. So we grew up together. I was a year ahead of her in high school at Westfield. And um, she dropped out of there and went specifically to boarding school so that she could really pursue tennis full time, which is pretty amazing. And I think it's an experience I want her to talk about. But yeah, so getting into all that in a little bit, I think the biggest takeaway from this is that you're not going to know what life throws at you. But for her, it all started with a little food processor. (laughs) And the rest is kind of history, experimenting with some bad food and then some really good recipes. It's kind of fitting that we're talking about this just after Thanksgiving. She wrapped up a hell of a weekend with a lot of food orders and she can talk all about pie. She's probably (laughs) sick of pie at this point. Uh, let's get right into it. So, Lexi, I spoke a very high level about you, but yeah. can you tell me a little bit about your background, who you are, what do you want us to know? I always pitch this to my guests this way. If you had 30 seconds to pitch us in an elevator, what the fuck would you say? Oh, man. Krista, well, thanks for that intro. That was amazing. Like Krista said, I just came off of a huge, huge weekend, started my business over a year ago now, which is crazy. Only have had a storefront in our hometown, Westfield, New Jersey for maybe like six months now. Um, but just it feels like it feels like it's been years. <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. But yeah, we had a crazy busy Thanksgiving weekend. Basically what we do is we make all sorts of gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free desserts. And we use you know organic ingredients, locally sourced. We have a line of products that you can't find anywhere, you know, no matter where you travel to, it, they're very special. And so, you know, in terms of Getting these types of pies, it is impossible. So, um, you know, we took on a huge, huge capacity, and there were definitely some struggles along the way, but okay. we made tears. it happen. There can were you, tears. Can you tell me a little bit about like this being your first holiday season? How you like went into it, knowing how many ingredients you need, like how quickly you could bake. You just recently hired some staffers, so that's yeah. an adjustment for you. Like, were you just like, I have no idea what I'm doing, or do you have mentors that you look to to kind of help out? So basically how it works is it is me and my partner, Shannon, who is amazing and has, you know, I come from a background of like 
totally teaching myself how to cook, just throwing myself in business. Um, so I don't have experience even working in restaurants or even working in a commercial kitchen before six months ago. Wow. Um, Shannon, on the other hand, is a little bit, you know, we have very complementary skill sets, I think, and where she is very like, she wrote out every down to like the teaspoon, how many ingredients we needed for each recipe. And so we were very planned in that way. Um, I think where we kind of hit some roadblocks was that like we underestimate how many hands we needed to really get okay. this done. The thing with Thanksgiving is it's such a short amount of time where people are picking up. Um, so having everything ready when people pick up was our struggle. But with that being said, we have amazing, amazing customers. It's an amazing community. And like people were <laughs> more than understanding about like some late orders that went out. But for the most part, like, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect. Last year, I think I did like 40 pies all myself, which isn't, isn't a lot. This year, it was closer to 200. Um, and, you know, when you did them last year, did you just do them out of your house or what? Um, yeah. <laughs> out of her house. She started on Instagram, which we will discuss, talk about yeah. how to like rise to Instagram fame and all that and how to create a business there. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. Isn't yeah. It? So, what kind of prompted you to finally get the storefront? I mean, I was becoming too big. Mm-hmm. Um, I was renting some commercial kitchen space okay. and and you know delivering to different retail locations. But um, it had always been my dream to have my own store where people could come in and I could do whatever, make whatever I want, and have whatever I want out, and then just be like fully creative in the kitchen. You know, make whatever you know, change the menu like seasonally. That's sure. what we're doing now. Like now, it's all about apple pie, pecan pie. Um, pretty soon, it's going to be cookie season. So like, I'm so excited. We're testing all new recipes for for Christmas and Hanukkah. (laughs) So um, there was, I mean, I just got to a point where, you know, I couldn't, couldn't run my business and grow it in the way I wanted to without a home base. And like, even with that said, like I have this storefront now, but my goals are like so far beyond just like small town bakery. Um, We're trying to get e-commerce going. We're trying to get wholesale going. Like, yeah, grocery stores. I want to be in restaurants. I think that the product that we have is so special that there's no reason it shouldn't be in Whole Foods. It shouldn't be in Air One Market in LA. Like it should be everywhere and it will be. It's just a matter of time. (laughs) Delicious. I have some special friends who definitely listen to this podcast who get the hookup from Lexi and I brought it all the way to Charlotte. Heck them, yeah. so we're we're gonna get her <laughs> we're we're gonna get her global for sure. So we're excited about that. Now, as you know from our last conversation when we had some technical difficulty and we couldn't get going, um, I like to ask ask all of my guests one very special question, other than their elevator pitch, is what is your go-to coffee order? So this is very telling about my personality, but I take just hot black coffee, plain, no milk, no sugar, no nothing. Um, and I drink that every morning, one cup of black coffee that I make in my French press at around 4 a.m. And sometimes earlier, sometimes a little later, depending on, on the kitchen schedule. But yeah, plain black French press coffee. And do you have like a favorite roaster that you use? I like Stumptown. Okay. I do Stumptown. I love Stumptown. Yeah. It's so good. I first got introduced to Stumptown over at Grain. You know, the yes. My yeah, they, yeah. There. He's the man. He introduced me to Stumptown like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And it is a crack. It's, it's so like good. The best. It's if you like a bitter, bold mm-hmm. coffee, like the fact I'll that I'll wake you up before I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really good. You can get that at like Whole Foods. Yeah, I got it at Whole Foods. Um, is that like if you were to go out though, would you order the same thing? Honestly, like yeah. I think same. I like if I if I was at like a you know really good coffee shop and I already had my black coffee in the morning, maybe then I would get a latte. Okay. I do really like matcha. 
for a period of time, I was I was going heavy on the matcha, but like as my work schedule has gotten crazy, it's like I need I need the real good stuff. Yeah, I <laughs> but that. I could do a latte. I would do almond milk or cashew milk or okay. even oat milk. Are you into the alternative so. milk specifically? Yeah. Yeah. Better on the stomach. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. We'll take that. Yeah. Um, now, you know, we've already mentioned like five times that you wake up at 4 a.m. And I've never <laughs> asked any of my guests this, but I think that as two individuals who wake up really early, I will say I've been blessed during COVID. Like that whole like working out early scene has been like completely derailed, which is a nice thing. Mm-hmm. So all the trainers out there, especially those in group fitness, we don't have clients who need to work out at 5 a.m. anymore because they've cut down on their commute, their shower, like getting the kids ready and mm-hmm. out for school. So that inconvenience has totally gone away, which trust me, like I appreciate because I can be a night owl and I'll right. stay up late and working. Like yesterday, I was sending voice notes to people on Instagram at like midnight and I messaged this girl who I've never spoken to and it's harder to delete a voice note on Instagram. You could unsend it, but I forgot that. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, happy. And I couldn't remember what day it was. And I was like, here's what I did today. I've got nine lives. I was in New York. I was here. Then I went there. Then this happened. And that happened. I sent 50 emails. I talked to these four people. I set up a podcast for this. And it just felt like I conquered a lot in a day, which is great. I love that about Mondays. Um, but I have like a routine that I stick to. So something new, and this will lead into my question. Um, something new that I personally started is on Mondays, I don't take client calls. And I just use it as like an admin day, personal mm-hmm. stuff. Anything from doing my workout, scheduling it on the calendar, getting my nails done, hair, going like having coffee with a friend, whatever it is, like admin stuff, bills, answering emails, just so that I have like a day to kind of like focus on me and get that shit done. Because otherwise, I just legit won't do it. So tell me what your morning routine is or tell me like a typical day for Lexi in the life of a chef. So I'd say I wake up around four. Okay. I have my coffee. I do, I open my computer. I do a few things, you know, whether it's sending a few emails, I spend about like 15, 20 minutes, just like, there's always like one thing that like I go to sleep and I'm like, oh, that has to happen immediately. Okay. So that gets done. Um, but like there's, there's other computer stuff that happens later, but like only the really important stuff happens at four. Um, and then I... I also drink a lot of lemon water with some apple cider vinegar. Those are my two beverages nice. in the morning. And then I do, um, I have a few kettlebells that I swing around. I usually do like a 30-minute cool. to 45-minute workout, you know, some squats, some swings, some lunges, whatever. Yeah. Whatever I'm, I write out like a little short, a little short thing to get my, get my day started. And then I take a shower and pack a few, pack two hard boiled eggs or something and I'm on my way. I usually leave, you know, anywhere from five to six. During Thanksgiving rush, it was it was more like a three thirty wake up call and and three forty five departure with like I do like ten squats and come out the door. Well, hey, at least you got your spot. I know, you gotta gotta do what you gotta do. Is that like a non negotiable for you? Lately, yeah. It's been as, you know, I feel like I look back at every month and I'm like I, I thought it was busy then. Like it just, it just keeps getting busier and busier, which is great. But like, as it's gotten busier, I'm like more and more adamant about prioritizing my own health because if I'm not healthy, like I can't show up for, you know, for work in yeah. the way that I want to. Especially um, being that you're preaching like a healthy lifestyle right. to what you're putting into your body. Right. So I taking care of myself is my top priority and I don't feel... I don't feel selfish about it. I do, you know, Amen. I do a lot to make sure that I'm in tip top shape. And that's everything from like sleep to diet, to exercise, to like relationships. That's I cool. do that. And yeah, I head into the kitchen important. and I hit the ground running. That's very important. 
Now tell us, how do you think like your life as a tennis player, like did that, is this schedule easier for you to keep? I know that was like a big reason why you kind of got into what you got into. So tell us a little bit about that. Maybe if you want to weave those two responses together. Yeah. I mean, like I am not who I am without, you know, my childhood playing tennis. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, and that, you know, that went into my early twenties, but like from a very, very young age, like I learned that, you know, hard work. I learned like, you know, dedication, hard work, commitment, like things that like, you know, no matter what career path I chose, like they would apply to. And um, especially being, you know, business owner and, you know, in the food industry, which is like, you know, super, super hard and, yeah. and, and you know, tough in every way. The game instilled in me, like you could take it from the point, the perspective of like, just like hard work. And then you can also think about like, just like in a tennis match, like being alone out there, like, you know, Very it's individual, it's mental, playing. it's physical, you know, it's a battle. And so like, I, I kind of like definitely take that competitive mindset with me into tennis. I am who I am because I, I come from that background of being a competitive athlete that was unusually competitive. <laughs> and when did you realize that what you were putting into your body was important? Because I feel like it was later on for you. Like it was almost when tennis started to slip away a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I definitely, I feel like in terms of food and nutrition for me, it's taken on so many different stages. Yeah. Because growing up, and I think Krista could probably relate to this in Westfield, it's very much like there's a lot of pressure to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I wanted to look like a skinny high school or middle school, high school girl, but I was also like a professional athlete. And like, that's not what I needed at that time. So I was sort of battling, like, I want to be strong and I want to be, you know, able to last hours on the tennis court. But on the weekends, I also want to like sometimes hang out with friends. Well, look and- cute. <laughs> With my uh, solo pants. Right, right. Um, So I definitely battled with like, you know, body image stuff in high school and middle school. And honestly... going to like tennis school in Florida make that worse or better? So I didn't go to tennis school. I did. (laughs) I know. So this is what happened. This is... Well, I spent a lot of time training. Okay. Yeah. But I, my junior year of high school, I left Westville High School is what you're, what you're referring to. Yeah. But I didn't go to Florida. I stayed local. My parents owned... But did you go I, to Florida back and forth a lot during that time? Yeah. There was uh, always a lot of tennis tournaments in Florida. Yeah. But I did yeah. online schooling. Okay. Same. It's basically yeah. the same. During that time, I traveled a lot. And I, okay. you know, so I think stepping away from high school a little bit um, and that culture was was healthy for me and you know being surrounded by other athletes at the full the the main purpose of mm-hmm. fueling your body was so that you could be stronger and not be shrinking but anyway I think that when I went to college I really started getting into fueling your body as a way to like gain things like nutrients and you know protein and carbohydrates and healthy fats and like there's so many ways that like you can use food as a tool to like make yourself you know, stronger and better and feel better yeah, on and off the court. Track. Yes. Yeah. You know, would spend like hours researching, like, you know, got so fascinated by the body and like how we can really like manipulate how we feel like based on what we're putting in our body. Mm-hmm. So got super obsessed with that and then started cooking, you know, goes hand in hand. So during that time, I'd say it was like my junior year of college. I really started like going heavy with the food processor, throwing stuff in using all sorts of nuts and seeds and superfood powders like cacao powder and all this, all this stuff. And like, this was all so new to me. 
and made some really bad tasting stuff. Um, <laughs> what did you major in in college? Uh, sociology. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I graduated and I was still like going hard with, you know, making, experimenting in the kitchen. I started a food blog, started like recording some of my recipes on How there. How did you balance all of that with then ultimately like traveling around the world to play tennis? I've always been just like, I don't really know how to like relax or sit still. I'm still trying to work on this. Like this was my first weekend I had off probably in like a year. And I, by the last day, I was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Do you think that how we grew up like bred that culture? For sure. It's like more like, it's just the more you can do, the better. And like, do you feel like the fact that you didn't necessarily, and I know I feel this way, almost because I didn't take the traditional route that everyone expected of me, I have to do it even more. Even more. Yes. Like I, I'm, this is something that I'm working on, honestly, because like I wake up pretty much like already feel behind, like I haven't done enough. Like I'm guilty. I wake up with someone like over my head, like basically like, oh man, you already effed up on the day. Like you got a lot to do to like make up for this. And like, I haven't done anything yet. Like it's 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, like it's 4 a.m. <laughs> and then I go to sleep thinking like, people. I like, go to hello. sleep and I'm like, oh, like, shoot, I, I really like could have done more. So I think that's like owning a small business, like there's always more you can do, but you just mm-hmm. have to, you know, things will get done. And you just, just got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, you have to. And, and by the way, Alexi's only 25. So yeah. <laughs> she's like accomplished a lot in a really short time. And what did you like in college? You started doing this stuff. Like, did you truly just expect it to ultimately be a side hustle? Did you feel like you're, you know, a lot of times, like I've had multiple athletes I've recorded episodes with already by the time this will air. And a lot of them like had some sort of like career cut short incident with an injury. And I don't know that that was your case. Like, do you feel like you were just like, okay, I gave tennis the run that I needed it to. I'm burnt out. Like I'm ready for the next phase of my life. Or like, how did you decide you were done? I mean, I was exhausted. Like by the end of college tennis, mm-hmm. um, I was just like so wiped out. What'd you do? Like another year after? Yeah, I've, I've mm, not even, not even. I played a little bit and I thought, I always thought about like really, I never, I wasn't committed to it after. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went back to school and did a nine month nutrition program. But my heart was like still wasn't sure if I wanted to continue. But in terms of like my body, yeah, like, I had all sorts of back issues and like, you know, it's also super expensive to travel the world and play tennis. Like, so it just didn't make sense anymore. And I was ready. I was really ready for, you know, something new, something that was my own. Like a lot of me was, you know, I was born into tennis. Yeah, tell Um, us a little bit about like your parents. Yeah, I mean... Why tennis for you? Both of my parents were professional tennis players. They played in college. They, you know are still in tennis. Like it was very much like I was born in a tennis club and was grew up there and it was my identity. It was always, I was so emotionally, like I didn't know who I was outside of tennis. So I think that after I graduated college, I had this like very strong desire to, to get to know myself and find myself outside of tennis because I always put all of my worth into who I was as a tennis player. So mm-hmm. if I won a match, like I loved myself. And if I lost a match, I hated myself. And I thought that everyone in the world thought the same. And it sounds so crazy. Like now, you know, I'm not a tennis player anymore, but that's truly how I felt. Like I thought I was ashamed of myself when I lost. And it, it was so mentally like toxic for me by the end. 
that I just, I knew it was time to like move on. And well, how do you think that principle has applied today in your life? Cause like, unless you're burning your cookies or a pie, it's kind of subjective, like for you to decide, like you've right. been able to let that go a little bit, but like I've struggled with this, like this past weekend coming off of a huge Thanksgiving, which most people would like think of as a success. And like on paper, yeah. it was a huge success, but like all I can think about is like, you know, those orders didn't go out on time. Like a couple people, like it was inconvenient for them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we could have planned better. And I think that's what makes me great and why I've, I've had success and I'll continue to have success is because like I am critical and hard on myself and I want to keep getting better. I very much have a growth mindset, but you know, you can't, you can't just like keep, you know, using yourself and just like you can't yeah um yeah it has to be constructive and it is but like that's the hard part um Mm -hmm. about being an athlete about being a business owner like but I definitely think my path I mean and how I am now is like nowhere near how I was when I was playing tennis I'm such a perfectionist and like even when I won matches I just replay like you know the errors I made and like if you if anyone listening I don't know ever knew me as a tennis player they know that I was the most consistent. I did not miss. Um, you had to beat me. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss. Um, you know, consistency was my game style. And like, that's very much like how I am as a person. So it's, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> so now let's transition into the, the juicy stuff. Let's talk about life after tennis and where things kind of went for you. Um, your personal life, your relationships, how that molded the last like three years, I guess, or two years or so. Yeah. So I like definitely in every sense of like did not take a traditional path and like anything. And I probably never will. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I like it that way. I I think all the decisions I I made have made me who I am and I love them. I love all of my decisions, but graduated college and I was basically within a year engaged um, in a relationship with someone who was older and, you know, I wouldn't more established in their life. More established. And I just wasn't, I was not in the position to be getting married. I didn't know what I wanted, who I even was yet, you know, decided. Now it's been like, I think I was 23. So it's been like two years, decided that like, you know, was engaged, was going to get married, do the whole thing. Um, That it just wasn't right for me and didn't feel right. And it wasn't, you know, I was in denial, I think probably for a while, but in denial, meaning like when you were engaged or the fact that you didn't think that it was right for you, like what, or actually the breakup, like unpack that for us a little bit. I was in denial that I convinced myself that like he was right, that this was right, that this felt right. But um, in hindsight, it never felt right. Our love was never real or like, you know, what I wanted, but it was safe in a lot of ways. And I was scared. Do you think that the safety is why you let it go on? Because I think for me, like the biggest question people ask me when I explain, like I had different values and like hustle and work mentality and work-life balance. And then the biggie was religion. Everyone's first question is like, well, how did you let that go on for so long? And I'm sure a lot of people have asked you the same thing. So how do you respond to that? Well, yeah, it was safety. It was security. It was fear, fear of being alone, fear of, you know, not having a, a path. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be in this food nutrition space, but I didn't have didn't have a business yet. I didn't have any secure income. I was doing stuff online. I was, you know, doing a bunch of different things, teaching a little tennis, had a little nutrition yeah. side hustle. Um, you know, was very confused and like that's Did not you recognize that. 
No, I mean, I was, I mean, I was so Do young you and I talk about it or you don't even know that you recognize it. Like, I guess the big question I feel like people are always asking me is when they ask how it went on for so long. It's like, how did marriage come into the equation? I feel like it was what he wanted and I wanted to be what he wanted because I was afraid that I would lose him and I didn't know if I'd be okay alone. Okay. So I think it was a lot of fear of the alternative. Like it wasn't. And like I woke up one morning and I called my best friend and I was just like, I don't care. I'll go home and live with my parents. Like I'll find a job, like I'll figure it out, but like this isn't happening. Um, so I left. How far into the wedding process did you get? Um, we had a venue. I had a dress. Yeah. Did <laughs> we you your dress? Actually, um, it was through, what is it? Beholden? Is that yeah, what you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't going to ship because it was like on back order. So I don't really remember the details, but somehow I, I didn't lose too much money. But I got money back for the dress and the venue and got really lucky there. Best decision I could have ever made for myself. And to this day, one of one decision that I'm probably the most proud of. Um, I'm so happy with how I how I feel in my personal life now. I'm in like an amazing, amazing relationship now. And, you know, I have my own life. I, you know, have my own business. I'm so secure alone, but I, you know, love the company of my partner and like I'm so excited for the future with him. But like I'm overall like personally in the best place I've ever been. And I think it took making that hard decision to to get to where I am today and being so secure in myself. And it was a whole journey of like Lexi after tennis Mm -hmm. and then Lexi after tennis being alone, finding herself. And I know we talked about like high school and the environment we grew up in and like you probably didn't realize it in the moment, but that safety and security, I think, thing goes back to like the traditional lifestyle that we saw our parents have and like just like the generational group think being so different there. I mean, even your ex-fiance, he was a tennis coach. Like, do you think that like that component of like tennis still being such a big part of life was like an issue for you guys? Like, do you think that like played any factor into why your relationship wasn't going to work long-term because you wanted to move on from it and you just didn't know how? Yeah, I think that's definitely... That's definitely accurate. Um, I think like coming from, it's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I didn't think anyone that didn't play tennis could even understand me. Like I felt like I had to be with, you know. Someone who was in that it, it just felt so, I was so, I was so much like a little girl. Like I just, whatever felt familiar um, and safe and like sort of like home. And tennis was like home to me. Like that yeah. was, I grew up around tennis. Um, like my both my parents, like, so... I knew that I was much more than just tennis. And do you think he just wanted you to be tennis? Like if you're willing to, like can yeah. you tell me a little bit about what he envisioned for like your life and your role in his life and how that was what you didn't want. I think that he wanted me to stay in tennis and, you know, he was still in tennis. So I don't think the relationship was very balanced in that way. Do you I think didn't... you ever would have been with him if it wasn't for tennis? Like let's Absolutely say you still met Absolutely not. Um, We had nothing in common. We had like, you know, didn't even have the same values. We didn't want to do the same things. We didn't have the same hobbies. Like he was not into food. Like there were so many issues that in hindsight, like, you know, 
it's so clear that we weren't a good match in so many ways. We weren't a good match in any way. Yeah. And like, that's not to say, you know, there's no hard feelings. I mean, like it was a, it was really, really hard to leave him. He was a, a good person, but we should not have been together. And I think like, you know, haven't talked to him in years, but I know that he would feel, feel the same that, you know, we, we shouldn't have been together. Yeah. It wasn't right. Can you walk me through like the day that you realized like you absolutely had to leave? You said you called your best friend, but like what were the steps that it actually took you to like say that out loud? Because I think that's the hardest part. And you talked about being in denial for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like had thoughts about it for months. Honestly, maybe years looking back. So, like, what was it that one morning you were just like, okay, today's the day, I'm out. Like I'm packing up my stuff. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you didn't even do that. You, so tell, tell us what happened. Like, you can't even, like, I couldn't go one more day. I just felt like I was living a lie. I was visibly upset and unhappy. Like, there was nothing, there, there was nothing, nothing good. I mean, yeah. it couldn't get any worse. So, like, I didn't, you know, pulling the, pulling the plug and just, you know, causing a total explosion was fine because I hated my life. I would have, I told myself I'd never never move back to Westfield, New Jersey again. And like, all I wanted to do was run home to my mom. Like, that's how bad it was. And like, then I lived with my mom for a while. It was great. (laughs) I love my family and I'm so grateful for how they supported me during that time. And now I've started my own life here um, and I'm very happy. But yeah, I mean, rock bottom will make you do things that (laughs) are scary (laughs) because the alternative is, is somehow better. So let's talk about this component. You said that you were visibly upset. You were miserable. The other big question that I get all the time is how did, because in my case, my partner didn't notice my depression. So like, what, do, what did that look like for you? Do you think that he was in denial himself because he didn't want to see it? Like in my case, I know my partner was just really distracted because we were trying to plan a wedding and he knew I was upset and he tried to make me happy. I just think he didn't know how because I wanted him to love me for my intellect and like he admired my intelligence, but I don't think he could match it. And so when I was off, he had so many external factors to point to, coupled with the fact that like it was really easy to blame it on the fact that I didn't have a job, but he was also studying for an exam, had started a new job himself. So like there was, there was a lot on his own plate. So what was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think there was similar. I mean, there, there were definitely distractions where he was, you know, living his own life too. Like, you know, but he, yeah, he tried to, he tried everything to make me happy and like, you know, get me to stay. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like there was nothing he could have done. Surprised? No, I mean, like I, I think he was, but not the day that I decided to leave because leading up to that, there were like, you know, I had, told him that I wanted to and that, you know, and then he had tried to keep, get me to stay and everything. But I think ultimately, like, it was a shock because, you know, how many people are engaged and, and leave. I mean, actually, it does happen. (laughs) It does happen. It does. People have tried to tell me that it happens to a lot of people. Like, I have friends' moms who are engaged, like, three times. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, let me ask you this because I know you were really present on social. Do you think that you felt a little bit slighted because like people tell you that story and there was no such thing as Instagram? So it's like, I get you, but you also don't understand because like I went through this publicly. Um, yeah, it's, it was really hard to do it. I mean, I didn't share. I'm, I'm pretty private. And honestly, this is the first time I've been like talking about it 
publicly, mm-hmm. but but like even just like erasing pictures. Within- yeah, no, I mean I had a lot of Instagram followers at the time. My main my main income was you know having a nutrition business um, and doing it, and you know I shared a lot of my my life on there, and then I just stopped for I you know I couldn't even share, and it would, but it was very obvious to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had moved back to New Jersey. Um, I was not in a relationship anymore. So it was, it was pretty obvious, but the details I didn't want to share. Right. Um, what was the story you were telling yourself in your head during that time? I was so ashamed. I thought that I was embarrassed. You know, I didn't want to run in, into anyone I knew because I didn't like want to have to go through the story. I didn't want them to have to, I didn't want them to ask me what I was doing. You know, I was working, I started working at like a it was called chill cryotherapy. It's a cryotherapy place. I was teaching a little bit of tennis. I was embarrassed. Um, I had graduated from Boston College and like felt I wasn't doing anything with my degree. I wasn't a professional tennis player oh, and I didn't have a, I felt all the same yeah, like, I, I either um, thought that I'd be a professional tennis player or I thought I'd have a, a great job and I had neither. And um, I just was not feeling that was like, you know, one of my lowest lowest points. And I think I probably got home and within a week, you know, started working and didn't feel, didn't like, you know, lay in bed for, for a month. Like I was very much like, you know, keep going, just, just work and, you know, figure it out as you go. Did you go to therapy? No, I've never been to therapy. I would love to. Um, I actually didn't have health insurance at the time and I was pretty broke and I still... Yeah, still am, <laughs> sister. Um, but I'd love to go to therapy. I feel like I, I, I could definitely benefit from talking about my everything from my child. I mean, everything. So that's pretty impressive then. How did, how did you... I mean, you obviously got through it, but I'm going to ask you like a probing question. Do you think that you've gotten through it by distracting yourself with work? Oh, of course. I mean, there's so much that like I haven't even... I don't even like... I never think about it. I think that I probably just block a lot of stuff out. Um, and I have other trauma, you know, tennis was tra- like yeah. super traumatic, like family growing up, um, you know, you, even if it's not life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably like whether it's from working out or just like working, working, working. But like, I never, I remember that summer, I just like, I would walk like 15 miles a day. I would just like, I never stopped walking. I never stopped listening to a podcast. And that's great. Like everything I was doing was like, in theory, like very like... It was you know, therapeutic. It was therapeutic, yeah. um, you know, but I, I couldn't stop to be with myself. Like I, I had to keep going. And now, yeah, these are all things that I've improved on, but they're still so issues for me. was there something you listened to, something you read? Because I mean, obviously you're in another relationship now. So like if there were unresolved issues that had a lot to do with your part, like mm-hmm. they would manifest and it sounds like they haven't. So right. what was kind of like the, like to get into the good stuff, <laughs> what was the catalyst to be like, okay, I'm going to open this business? Well, I was also alone for, you know, a while before this relationship, mm-hmm. like, you know, almost a year. And I had a lot of time to, you know, process what I really wanted to to do next. And I decided that, you know, tennis was over, but nutrition and food was really, really my passion and basically started making granola in my mom's kitchen. Why granola? I feel like what you were getting in the grocery store just wasn't doing it for you. Yeah. I mean, store-bought granola is bad. Like I, 
I can't even compare it to to ours. Um, (laughs) I started with granola though, because it was easy to package and I can make it in bulk. And I knew that like, I wasn't going to stop at granola. Like that was just like very basic thing, but like, I just wanted to like start. Um, So I just went on legal zoom and I started an LLC and I have like not stopped since that day. And I just like, I just keep, moving forward. I have no idea what I'm doing most of the time, but I just like keep like trudging forward. <laughs> Killing it in the yeah. I don't know if I answered your question there. Just... No, you did. You did. I okay. mean, to go back to your relationship now, like are there... Okay. So for me, for example, like when I meet a guy now, I'm very specific. And I say two things. I say, here's what I think about religion. And I'd like to know your opinion. And I lay it all out on the table. And then um, the second thing I say is, I almost got married. And I'm not telling you that because I want to marry your ass because I don't even know (laughs) you. But I'm telling you that because I was willing to go out on a limb and make that commitment to somebody. And as a result, I know exactly what I want. So I'm going to do myself a favor and I'm going to do you a favor. And if this doesn't work out by the end of this date, we're not talking again. And that's okay. What's kind of been like, I know you kind of met your boyfriend by accident, but like what kind of maybe conversations have you had with him that you definitely didn't have? with your ex? Well, I think we're, I mean, our relationship is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. And it started on pure honesty and no expectations. And like it grew into like the most amazing, honest and pure and genuine like friendship and love that I've ever experienced. Like I can't even like really describe how great we are and how, you know, in sync and, you know, just we really, really compliment each other and just we have the best time together. I mean, everything's great about it and everything's healthy, but I think communication from the beginning, like you need to, you need to communicate what you want, what you like, what you need. And we've done that. And I think that is um, the most important part of any relationship. I mean, I'm not an expert, clearly. (laughs) No, you are. You are pretty experienced. We're all experts. Yeah. This is totally a joke, but it's really funny. I don't know if you ever listened to Eliza, Eliza Schleisinger. She's a comedian and she has like a, she's a millennial and that's like her audience. Yeah. And she has a show on Netflix and there's an episode about marriage. And she married a chef, actually. And um, she said, have you ever noticed that getting married and planning a wedding is the one thing we only do one time, but everyone considers themselves an expert in? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I did this this way and you should get your flowers from here. And like, you should definitely have a band in on your DJ. And like your bridesmaids won't be upset if you do this this semester. You know all that because you did it once. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's funny. Um, So yeah. So do you think like to kind of give like a little more color. Like did, did you have, cause I know, and I'm speaking from my personal view, but like, did you have a relationship prior to your ex fiance that like you think shaped why you were looking and maybe it wasn't romantic, maybe it was a friendship, but like that shaped why you thought he was the right person. And then how do you think like the things that you disliked shaped your current relationship in terms of what you were looking for in a partner? Um, I think I didn't have any like serious, I mean, like high school relationships, yeah, like one year, mm-hmm. maybe like okay. sort of silly. Who you dated I don't, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that growing up, I was very much like, uh, you were wanted, so busy all the time. Yeah. And I wanted to please everyone, um, not just in romantic relationships, but just in life. I was, I constantly was like, 
wanted everyone around me to be comfortable and happy. And that's... Um, so I think I, I never really like thought about what I actually wanted. And I just like was the person that I thought the person sitting across me wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of why I never really got to know myself and what I actually like and want. And I'm finally like coming into that, um, which is why I'm in the healthiest relationship now is because like, I, it's more about you. It's about me, like, and what I want, what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like we do what I, you know? Yeah. I think that prior relationships were all about the other person. Um, and not about me. What's the question again? Yeah. No, you answered it. Yeah. Okay. Like how if, if experiences in past relationships, like shaped what you have now with your Definitely. Partner. Definitely um, growing up in, in Westfield too, I think. Yeah. like So to that end, do you think there's like a class that we should have? Because like, I don't know if you know this, but for me, I actually got into fitness from my senior project. So oh. I don't, I know you left junior year. I don't know if you remember right. senior year we had doing our AP English class or whatever English class you were taking. Yeah. I was in Miss Gofo's class and <laughs> I decided that I wanted to... Um, teach the the prompt was just teach yourself something and right I, like, I remember that yeah. and I, I, I fitness for whatever reason like I was just so annoyed at my friends because they all picked like bullshit things like I'm gonna be a vegetarian for a month. yeah I'm gonna write a notes about it like yeah okay, chill like they literally picked the easiest thing yeah. possible and I was like I want to make this fun I know that I'm not swimming in college and then it just stars aligned and timing worked out that I taught a Paloxing class and then the company happened to be coming to Jersey that summer before I went to college. And so I got actually certified and just kept doing it from there. That's amazing. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like, do you think there's something that we're not learning in school or that parents need to be teaching their children to like not become this people pleasing person and like yeah there should be like do we do that we have a silly like health class there should be a mental health class Mm -hmm. or like a self-care class or like I don't know what the name of it would be but like maybe it's just like a journaling class or like I don't know maybe maybe it's just a health class and then there's more there's more to it than just like anatomy or whatever we learn in that class um right but yeah I mean I don't know if if it's our healthcare system, like everyone should should have and and I haven't had a therapist because you know it's expensive. Yeah, yeah, everyone should have no, access I talked to about that with another friend. Like I spent tens of thousands of dollars on therapy, easy, right, easily. Yeah, it's crazy. Like they're two hundred. That should be something that everyone has access to because okay. if you don't have your mental health, you probably can't take care of yourself physically, and you're not a good partner, friend, worker. Yeah anything. Yeah. How can you be a contributing member to society? Mm -hmm. And I was so consciously aware of that. And I prided myself on like making a difference, like since like day one of my life, like think about all the things I was involved in at school. Like I really stood for that. And like, even if I didn't stand for something in terms of like a specific issue, I did stand for this idea of like helping people be better Mm -hmm. and like making people feel better. But it was like, I took that to such a responsibility that I'm curious how you feel about the statement. But I had a friend who said to me on another episode, he was like, our tendencies as people like us to be like fixers, sometimes we cross a line because like we forget the fact that like it's not our job to fix everybody. And sometimes people have to go through shit and it's their responsibility to learn that lesson. So like, how do you step back? And like, you're actually doing them a disservice and being a bad friend when you can't help yourself but want to get involved. So you're, you're asking like boundaries? Yeah, like-, like how do you feel about that? Do you agree with that statement, first of all? And then second of all, is it a boundary thing to you? Like what? what's an example? So like, I'll give you an example. I have a friend, I won't consider them a friend anymore because they swiftly blocked me on all social media 
who um, I felt like I really confided in her. Like she was one of the first people I told I didn't want to get married Mm -hmm. and stayed in touch with her throughout the whole process of me like making the decision because mine wasn't as swift as yours. Right. She like lost her job, was dealing with a lot of shit with COVID. Um, She was in like the childcare industry. So it was a little bit difficult, especially with finding other positions, but then kids didn't go back to school. So she had a lot of options and whatever. I went to Charlotte to go see her or like to see my friends. And I asked her to meet up and she got mad at me because a guy asked me to go on a date and she confused our plans. Like I, I have the text messages to back it up. Like I asked to meet one day. She said, let's play it by ear. And I was like, I have to like put this on the calendar. Like I'm only going to be there for three days. Right. I wound up extending my trip. And she told me that like, she literally chose these words. I'm not mentally in a good enough place to be able to move on from you seemingly blowing me off. And so I, I overstepped and reached out to her sister and I said, there's something wrong with your sister. Like their dad had passed away a while ago. I didn't know that she dealt with that. I knew that she was having some challenges with her familiar relationships, you know, like struggling in the boyfriend department and just like not sure about her career, like in her thirties, unclear if like this was the right path for her, always had a love for fitness, writing, a lot of other things she could be doing. And just like, it was a series of falling outs with employers, like back to back. And like, I was really hurt because I felt like I was going through my own bullshit, but because she was there for me, I had already moved into this place where we're sitting and like, she would call me like hysterically crying and I'd FaceTime her, like drop whatever I was doing. And she'd be like, I don't know what to do with my life. And so I felt like she was isolating herself from her friends. Right. She was being combative, like as if the world were against her. And then um, she went so far as to like blast me on Instagram and say like her mental health was like not my problem. And then I just felt like she took it across the line because she said that I was imprinting like my problems under her. And I didn't see it that way. I'm like, these are the clear signs. Like you definitely are demonstrating like three major components of depression. Right. And like you lost a job. Like that, that alone is enough that it's okay to be depressed. And so I reached out to her sister and I just said, I feel like she's alone and her sister is a nurse. So I was very disappointed in her response. And she was just like, my sister's not alone. And not to mention like her mental health is none of your business. And I'm like, I I firmly disagree, but like I can sleep at night. Cause one, I know I reached out like Kim Brunhofer said this to me. Like I tried in terms of like, I was reaching out out of a place of kindness. And if it's coming from you, like that's it. Right. You weren't trying to like throw her in a bus or And like, maybe she needs to go through this. So like she blasted me on Instagram, like literally blocked me and then followed me just to like tag me and like be an ass. And like, I, I like sent her a Starbucks gift card, like be like, Hey, I know you don't want to get coffee with me, but here's five bucks. Enjoy the next cup on me. Like I tried everything I could. And then I I was like, okay, she set a boundary. And then I saw that she updated her job on LinkedIn. So I sent her a congrats, let her know I was coming back to Charlotte. I wanted to offer her a job because I was interested in her potentially working with me. And then she just like went and did this thing. So very long story and long-winded way of saying like, have you been in a situation like that to where you feel like it's just in your DNA to want to help people, but then it becomes like a fault. Yeah, for sure. But I think like if if she clearly like didn't like, you know, you did everything you could and now it's just like, it's out of your hands. So I I think that I, I've for sure been in in positions where I've, I've tried to help and, um, and wanted to help, but some people just like aren't ready for it. Um, and so that's when, you know, it it sounds like even her sister didn't want to hear it Mm -hmm. and sounds like she's, you know, in a really bad place, but you did everything you could. And like, what else are you going to do? I mean, 
crazy. Yeah. And I mean, like, how has your experience breaking up with somebody in like such a monumental capacity shaped who you have as a part of your life? Because like, I know for me, like I've cut a lot of people out and and like, I've been decisive about it, but I've also put a lot of thought into it because it seems quick and abrupt from the outside. But for me, it's not because I feel like I know exactly who I am and I'm just literally so busy. I don't have time for their their crap. Yeah. I mean, I apologize to everyone that I've blown off in the past year. Like I feel bad about it, but at the same time, like I really, I have very little time. I barely see my family. Really, Mm -hmm. honestly, pretty sad. Yeah. I see my partner every day at work. I make, you know, I spend time with my boyfriend, one of my best friend who lives in LA and has recently spent some time in New York is around. I spend time with her, but that's really it. I don't, you know, I, I, I only have so much time. So I have to be, I have to be picky. And it's not that I don't care about people. I tried to reach out to people, but even sometimes a text is like, I know it sounds so crazy, but like, and I ha- I do want to be better at communicating, but like, it just gets, it gets forgotten about. And I, I don't, I don't keep in touch with people as well as I would like to. Did anybody like you feel like you kind of opened up to like during your process of grief and moving on, like turn around and kind of not be there for you and that you're just like, okay, I'm out. I think like a long time before that I had cut a lot of people out. Okay. Like I, I don't have your life like tennis or you're just that type of I've always been very private and I had a very small circle. I, I have not ever had a lot of friends. I've always like, you know, had a lot of people I know and like, you know, liked a lot of, you know, yeah, been, like us. Like yeah, really yeah. but I'm, I'm days. pretty quiet and like reserved and I keep to myself and I only have a few, I have my family and a few friends and boyfriend now. And like, I, I like it like that way because I'm very like simple and like have everyone I need. Yeah. That's, that's great. I think that's awesome. <laughs> so I didn't tell a lot of people, I mean, let them figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. People want to know they can talk to me. I'm I'm sure. pretty open, but like for the most part I keep keep myself private. Keep it close to the top. <laughs> yeah. Now let's to kind of bring it all back together here and talk about the future because we gotta look ahead, never backwards. Mm-hmm. Um you touched on this just a tiny bit, but like where what are the goals for Lexi's Kitchen? I, the way I like to ask this question to my guests is if you listen to this podcast a year from now, at the end of twenty twenty one, where should we see you? Where what should we expect of you? So we will have a new website and it will be totally, um, you know, we'll be doing e-commerce. So like you can, if you're in California, you can order my products and they will get to you safely. And it's become more of a priority because of COVID. Like I didn't really ask that question. How did COVID like change your business model? Well, it's funny because I never really, I wanted to, I was looking before COVID, I was looking for a commercial kitchen space, but not necessarily a storefront. I wanted to be able to produce on a larger scale, but... Because tell people, like you were doing some pop-ups. Yeah, I was doing farmer's market pop-ups. I was doing... I was selling um, selling to local... Yeah, Yeah, I was cooking at Salad House, um, using their kitchen off hours and selling to other retail locations. Um, But like, you know, that was not sustainable in terms of like the hours that I could be there and like that it wasn't my my kitchen. Mm -hmm. So was looking for a, a space that I could produce on a larger scale so that I could sell to larger retail locations, grocery stores, restaurants, and eventually online. But then I you know, came across this perfect little kitchen. And truthfully, when I started, you know, 
when I signed this lease and was going to open it up, I was like, I, you know, I'll have open hours, but like, it's not going to be like a full bakery. Yeah. I didn't think people would be walking in. And then like, as I like, you know, was in there, people were just like, you know, the first couple of weeks, people were just like coming in. And just so you guys know, for like context of like geography, this is down the street from our high school on like a pretty busy road that has yeah. like a lot of passers by. Yeah. So it was almost like my customer's decision. They were like, yeah. no, you're, you're not gonna, this is not gonna be just like, sometimes you have open hours, like yeah. you are a bakery. How did that make you feel? Well, it was overwhelming because I, you know, it was just me. So I was like, okay, I guess I have to make hours. And then like one thing led to another. And now all of a sudden it's literally a bakery um, that people that were open nine to five. <laughs> so I have to be there. Like it's a big deal that I'm, I took, a couple hours out of my day to like yeah. not be there right, right. now. Um, and I've only recently started doing that because yeah, of you know we have a few yeah. a few people that can help out. But so that you know that's been a huge you know responsibility to keep it open and mm-hmm. be there. So it's put a lot of the other stuff on the back burner. But at the same time, I do believe that it's like really important to start small and then get big, um, as opposed to like not having a strong foundation and then like going all in in e-commerce and like not really having a following. Like I do believe that like it all starts in your local community and like building a really, really dedicated, like passionate following here is really important because that's the base. So I do, even though it wasn't the plan, I'm happy that it has become a bakery and it's going to be a great starting off point for when we do grow. The goal for for the one-year plan is definitely to have be shipping nationwide, to be in tons of retailers. I want to get on... I think that my product is so special that it could be on the dessert menu of restaurants. Um, you know, we make incredible pastries and pies and cakes. And the chocolate chip cookies. And yeah. Fire. <laughs> so, um, I gotta go there after all this time. Yeah. Yes. It's not just, it's not just another chocolate chip cookie. It's, you know, it's gluten free. It's dairy free. It's refined sugar free. It's organic. It's made with the best local, you know, in terms of like sourcing, we're so careful who we mm-hmm. support. You know, we partner with a lot of farms to get mm-hmm. our produce. You know, we're supporting all as many like female owned local um, businesses as we can. And like, it just feels really good to make such a special product with such special ingredients that are, you know, made with love and one of a kind. That's amazing. Yeah. Now tell us, um, I know at one point you were considering taking on a partner early on and like, tell me about what that decision looked like for you and why it was so important to you to not do that. And advice to anybody who is like, I'm going through this right now. And like my friend, of who is going to be my partner is amazing and she's awesome. But at the same time, like we have to lay a lot of ground rules because we're also friends. So it's complicated. Yes. So that is, you know, that's where it all started for me in terms of looking for a retail location. Like I was going to go in with a partner that was a group of, you know, successful men, <laughs> older <Cheered>. men. <laughs> you know, they were very much going to be the money and the mentorship. You know, we were really far along in the process, but we hadn't discussed numbers yet. And when it came down to it, I had found this place and, you know, they were still wanted to be, you know, they wanted equity. And they told me to, you know, basically present something. And I presented something and they were like, no, we need a lot more equity and, and, um, you know, more equity than I than I owned. And I started the thing and was running the thing and did everything. And they hadn't showed me anything really yet besides like, you know, a little bit of mentorship. And and they're great people. I, you know, I wouldn't say that anything bad, but like it just wasn't right for me. It wasn't the right time. Um, I wasn't ready for that yet. And 
intuitively it just didn't feel right. But, you know, I think it's been hard not having that money and, and mentorship that, you know, could have been. But like at the same time, I have absolutely no regrets and I've learned so much. I'm more confident because I have to figure these things out on my own. Um, doesn't mean I won't take, you know, investors if you're out there. <laughs> I am looking for an investor. Hug for Lexi. She'd be a perfect person to invest. I got some people on that. No, um, but I ended up partnering with Shannon, who's amazing and has so many skills, and we're such a good team. And we work together every day, and and I'm really happy with my decision. And like I said earlier in the podcast, every decision I love every decision I've ever made. So you know, it it was a hard decision to not take on a lot of money and security, and that's something I definitely would have done a few years ago. Is like the first person that was gonna you know promise me security and and safety. I would have like jumped at it, but more secure in myself and know that I'm capable of a lot. So where a lot do you my get own. your mentorship from right now? <laughs> you just figure it out. I figure it out. I figure it out. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessive about listening to podcasts and... Do you have any that you would recommend to somebody who's in maybe like more in my shoes just starting out? I mean, I listen to like all sorts of entrepreneur stuff, yeah, like how I built like, this yeah. and like that type of thing. I love listening to other people's stories. That's like that's where I get a lot of my inspiration. But in terms of other mentors, I mean, I I don't have a ton of people in the space that I that, that I can talk it's to. But it's so niche. But um, my partner is amazing, and she she has a background of working in restaurants and some Michelin star like big time stuff. So like in terms of like food, she's been an amazing resource and um, a wealth of knowledge in that area. And then in terms of business, I mean, both my, my parents, I come from a long line of, of business owners and I also, I do a ton of research. So just figuring awesome. it out as I no, go, like that's true. kind of how I have always done life is like, I just kind of throw myself in and like, I figure it out. Yeah. I figure stuff out. You have to, that's the only way to do it to get the experience. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Like I've been very careful about like who I want to share things with. And then like, I have one friend that I literally call every day and text him every time like mm-hmm. something occurs and it's and like he offered that to me when I wasn't even looking for it and it's been helpful because like it's a symbiotic relationship and I also think it's good to have somebody who like doesn't have the skin in the game that mm-hmm. you do because I think that's where it gets hairy like looking for advice and like it, you know like Shelby gave me a lot of advice the other day that was like totally separate from our business but not because it was about family right and it's it all like yeah like it's, it's all, all intertwined but like we have a clear relationship where we can like okay we're switching to like a personal conversation and like here's my advice on this right then we'll also talk about like boys and like mm-hmm. things like that but then like my other friend who I talk to all the time to be like oh I have this idea like he does have skin in the game but he doesn't because like I admire where he is currently like 29 years old is like probably 10 months ahead of like if I'm being fast and like that's my goal of where I would like to be. And even the other day we were talking about numbers and he was like, no, no, no. Like he was like, I don't care what you want to be like making it. He's like, what the fuck do you need to be comfortable? And like just having that person like check you. Yeah. Um, but then also maybe like, hey, I found this person like they like, let me refer you for this service that you provide. Or even like I connected you with him mm-hmm. to be like, hey, my friend Lexi, like she does treats. Like you guys need that in your space. It's healthy right. food. It's good ingredients. It aligns with your brand. Like let's talk and make it happen. And 
I'm a really big proponent on saying that like if I could have any job in the world and this is where this podcast comes in is like being like a professional networker. Like, yeah, you're really good at like, Let's link up. Um, <laughs> you're like great at like just quickly sending like a group text and being mm-hmm. like, hey, like you guys would be great. Like yeah. you should talk. Yeah, and it makes me feel good. Like, and you know a lot of people, that. like right. you're you're very social and like it's a skill of yours for sure. Um, <laughs> so what do you think, to go back to like your personal life one more time and then we're going to do a little lightning round and cut this off because you got to get back to the kitchen but (laughs) if your ex-fiance could see you now what do you think he would say wow (laughs) I mean I think he'd be proud of me Mm -hmm. I hope that he would be proud of me I mean um I think that he would yeah definitely be proud that's awesome yeah and what do you think is like the what what keeps you up at night in terms of like what are you going to do with your next steps with your business I mean, there's there's no reason that Lexi's Kitchen products couldn't be in every single grocery store in a few years. People need to have access to food that you know makes them feel good. This this product is amazing for people who have food allergies, but it's also amazing for people who don't. You know, I'm not dogmatic about my diet or other people's diet. I don't think that there's one perfect way to eat. I'm not saying that everyone has to be gluten, dairy, or fine sugar-free. I don't even need to highlight that in my products because um, they happen to be that way. But you know, anyone who didn't know that would also just think they're delicious and they'd happen to feel really good after because they're made with really wholesome, real food ingredients. These aren't like not using low calorie, like sweeteners or anything. These is, this is real sugar. This is like, you know, pure maple syrup, dates, fruit, like this is stuff that like, you know, has nutrients, has fiber, like will make you feel good, will keep you full. I just think that everyone needs to have access to products like this. And there's just nothing like it out there, but soon there will be. And it's just, it's just a passion of mine to, to feel good. And I do think that there is a way to fuel your body, but also fuel your soul with things that feel good. And I think that sweets is an area that is hard to do that because it's hard to fuel your soul when you, when you don't feel good, um, when it, you have a stomach ache or you, know, you, you have low energy. So everyone could have access to food that makes them feel good. And you know, whether you're an athlete or you just want to perform better at work, I think that keeping your blood sugar stable and um, not loading it up with, you know, rancid oils and refined sugars and artificial ingredients and colors. It's just not going to make you feel good. For sure. No, that's so important. And I think that's a great mission. I'm excited to consume your food. And <laughs> keep it coming. I'm a nice customer. Um, so Lexi, to wrap this up, give me like 60 more seconds of your time. We're going to move into a little lightning round. I try to base it off the flow of the conversation we've already had, but they should be like pretty quick answers. If you want to expand on them, I might give you a follow-up question. So go for it. Um, okay. By all means, there are no rules to this. And then we will uh, shut it down so you can get back to cooking. What was your biggest mistake as a business owner? Buying a bunch of... Buying in too big a bulk. And like one of my biggest mistakes was buying all of these packages um, and labels for granola. And then I changed the ingredients. (laughs) So now I have, you know, just like not not thinking thinking about the future. Just like I I can be a little bit impulsive sometimes um, and like, you know, not think through my decisions. So like, you know, maybe just being a little bit smarter with like my buying. <laughs> Best decision you've made as a business owner. Just keep moving forward and keep going and like make a mistake. Doesn't matter. You just keep moving forward. Just like tunnel vision forward. Favorite recipe? 
um, granola. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Mom, do you have a specific flavor that's your favorite? Original. OG. Okay. The OG. Like that. What's, what are the ingredients in that for those who haven't had the chance to experience? It's gluten-free, organic oats, organic almonds, organic walnuts, organic pecans, um, organic buckwheat grouts, chia seeds, a lot of cinnamon, a lot of vanilla bean, pure organic maple syrup, and sea salt and, and are you very precise coconut? or do you just kind of like toss shit in and play it's funny because like up until like did shannon yeah shannon was like shannon's like spreadsheets like recipes yeah. write it down and i'm just like throwing stuff in like that's how i was before uh, but now it's like now that other people have to make our recipes right. and stuff it has to be very exact yeah. but like how i like cook at home and how like i develop recipes on my own is like very much like when do you do your creative, like where you're just like messing around in the kitchen to come up with a new recipe for the store? Typically, like, you know, we come up with new recipes, like as a new season is approaching. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so like right now we're, we're gearing up for cookie season, which is really exciting. We got like oatmeal, cranberry, we got oh, double chocolate, so mint. You guys are the first ones hearing this. Oh, so <laughs> we're thinking can gingerbread. <laughs> yeah, you can. Give me a taste tester. Snickerdoodle. We're going to do like a Hanukkah arugula. I'm Jewish. So like trying to get some Jewish Jewish cookies in the mix. So yeah. But we typically like our weekends are crazy. So like a day like today, today's a Tuesday um, is a great way to like um, have a little bit more time to to have some fun. So okay. what is um, your least favorite ingredient? That I use? Yeah. I'm actually not a huge chocolate person, which is like... <laughs> really funny because I use a lot of chocolate, but I'm like much more um, like cinnamon spice. I like fruit. I, I don't, I find chocolate to be like a little, you know, it's just so annoying, but I find it to be like a little heavy. Okay. What is, um, <laughs> what is your like, fa- if you can only eat one food for the rest of your life, it doesn't have to be sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. I, I like, if I go a day without like some roasted sweet potato, I like, yeah. I'm like, something's off. I, I need my sweet potatoes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like Japanese sweet potatoes, which are like okay. reddish, uh, yeah. purple on the outside, white on the inside. They're... What is your boyfriend's favorite dish that you cook? Pesto. Ooh. What yeah. Kind of pesto do you make? Do like you like basil, kale. I do like blanched kale in there, pine nut, toasted pine nuts, olive oil, what a lot of roasted garlic. There? We like, we'll put it in like a stir fry with like vegetables, but we'll like, sometimes I'll do like brown rice pasta, but nice. we're like really doing it up on the weekend yeah. or something. But like during the week, like pesto, the thing about pesto is like, it can well, go on, any, like throw that on anything. Like red hot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Salad dressing. It's like anything. To anybody that's listening to this, especially the female, like wanting to start her own business. Like I think, unfortunately, and like we maybe like we've kind of like, made this like an endearing thing and like a cool part of the story because it is like it shaped you into where you are today but like for the people out there who have an idea but haven't had the trauma to push them to like Mm -hmm. the rock bottom like we have what's your advice on just like literally just being like fuck it I'm starting (sighs) just start like just like literally take the first step and then make a goal to make the second step and just like you have to you can't like stop waiting. Like it's never going to be the right time to start a business. You know, it's never going to like be like, you're never going to wake up and be like, today's the day. Like I'm going to like tackle everything, but like, you know, make, write it out, like write your steps, right? Like my first step is starting the LLC. 
like, you know, that's like really hard for some people. Like yeah, it's like no, things it's that they don't know how to do. Like, like, yeah, just like go to the bank, open the bank account. Like yeah. you have to, for me, like sometimes if I make too many, like if it's such a huge goal, if it feels unattainable, but if you're like, okay, today I'm going to walk in the bank of America and tell them I started a business and I want to open an account. Yeah. Cause like, I think <laughs> a lot of times people forget like they can make the list of the goals. And I've done this exercise before. I highly recommend it to anybody listening. Yeah. It's like set three goals, but then underneath each goal, you have to write down five steps to get there. Yeah. And that's, that's the part that most people miss. And yeah. Sure I think, why. I think we're like romanticizing and like idealists and like, you might be like a big picture person. You can't think that way. Yeah. And also like surround yourself with positive people too. Like if you have like, you're constantly hanging out with like the negative friend who's complacent and like, you know, mm-hmm. always, always feeling sorry for themselves. Like you, I truly believe that you become like the people you spend the most amount of time I with. I accomplished more in three months than I did in four years. And like, I accomplished a fuck ton in right. the time that I was with my ex. But like the complacency was bred through this like, very like unrealistic idea of like being appreciative and expressing gratitude and you're allowed to be grateful but still want more there is nothing wrong with being grateful but unsatisfied is there a problem with being dissatisfied yes but i think dissatisfied and unsatisfied mean two different things definitely and like if if someone's not you know making you a better person like i don't think it's selfish to separate yourself from them like what's your number one yeah i'm super picky like i don't have i don't spend my time i'd rather be alone than be with someone who's gonna bring me down like and that's just like people that i would like get coffee with like i'm not gonna like spend my time getting coffee with someone where i'm gonna leave and like you know feel tired you know like i want i want to be around people that are energizing and energy vampires yes and positive people it's okay to like not always feel 100%. And like, I'm not only going to be with people that are like 100% positive all the time, but like there's a certain type of person that I don't have time for. And that's people that just constantly complain and feel sorry for themselves and just feel like a victim. All Like, you know, yeah. there's just a type of person that like, it's just not productive. So I try to surround myself with people that are like-minded and have big goals and um, want to accomplish a lot and that are positive and truly feel like I do that right now. Um, that's the environment at work. That's the environment in Lexi's kitchen. That's Those are the relationships in my personal life. My boyfriend is that way. Um, we're very similar in that way. We have like big goals and like there's no option but accomplishing them. And yeah, it if makes... you open a business, you might find your boyfriend as your landlord. So like you never know. <laughs> or he was the rep, the tenant rep, right? What was what? Your, did he own the building or what? Oh no, it was one was, one like, it um, it's not even the one you're in now. No, no, it was just like one space that I was looking at for Lexi's kitchen was one of his locations of his Yeah. So you never know, ladies. Yeah. Like, just it's not all about the apps. Yeah. So, Sometimes you just run into yes, people. <laughs> yes. It's just harder in COVID. But like yeah. if you're gonna go on the apps, here's my rule. Yeah. I've been doing it. <laughs> Be direct, be upfront. If you're gonna continue to talk to this person, just give them your phone number, ask to like FaceTime as quickly as you can, and then you'll decide <laughs> if they're worth your time or not. And don't feel bad about it. If they're yeah. not, like the worst thing you can do is leave them hanging because it's just not fair. Like yeah, it's not fair to them and communication is key. So last two, they're related, but one's in the kitchen and one's personal. Biggest pet peeve in the kitchen in terms of work style. Mess, clutter, dirty dishes. Like I so can't. So how frequently do you clean as you're working? Well, like we have a dish bin now, so like getting like I can't focus when like clutter is in my sight. So like 
just constantly moving stuff back and out of my sight and like I need a clean surface. I'm really you should see my apartment. It's like literally like empty. Like I don't like things. I'm yeah. very distracted by easily um, by clutter or mess. So I like a clean space. <laughs> and then what's your biggest pet peeve in relationships? Probably complaining. I figured you were going to say that. <laughs> um, so give us your shameless plug. Where can we find you, Lexi? I'll put you all can find me... If you're local to New Jersey or New York, I'm not that far from New York, you can find me in Westfield, 401 West Broad Street. We are open Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and Saturday, 9 to 5, and then Sundays we close early. Sorry, Monday we're closed though. And you can follow along on Instagram at Lexi's Kitchen Co. Um, I'm really active on there, always sharing on stories what's going on behind the scenes. Website, lexiskitchenco.com. It is under construction right now. Well, it, it's up, but it needs a lot of improvements. And I, <laughs> yeah, and that's happening I today. <laughs> so hopefully um, in the future, um, you'll be able to like place orders on there and get shipped to you. Um, but for now, the best place to find me is if you're local, come and see me. Um, or maybe you're if you're... Grocery stores, where? Yeah, Dryer. I'm in Dryer Farms in Cranford. You can find the granola there. You can find the bars in the freezer. Um, same thing at Princess Farms in a mountainside. Um, we're also at Green Grocer in Bloomfield, New Jersey, hoping to get into a few more in the next coming months, especially in the new year. Um, yeah, we're, shoot, we're going big time. <laughs> but that's it for now. Definitely follow along on Instagram at Lexi's Kitchen Co. And I tag her a lot whenever I get her stuff. Yes. And I'm going to put her, I'm definitely putting some granola on my website. So I'm going to be like a little wholesale rep for her. So yeah. in my hands fitnessfix.com I'm working on a page of like all my favorite things and they're all duh there has to be a food category so. and whenever Krista goes yeah. down back to Charlotte always going to be sending her with all the goods yeah for sure so Lexi thank you so much for your time we know you got to get back to swinging cakes <laughs> cookies pies and all of those things we're excited to see what you cook up for us for Christmas and we, uh, to add to that plug if anybody's looking for a good holiday gift idea mm-hmm. um, this is definitely a great thing to show up with if you're not having parties with people and you want to send a gift, you know, like do it virtually this way. Like this can be a way to, to make that happen. If you order something, you want to drop it off to somebody, um, Lexi can help make that happen and, and make sure it's nice and fresh and quality ingredients. For like sure. never, she said it with her sport game with tennis consistencies, everything. And that's definitely not lacking in the Definitely. Kitchen. If something doesn't come out perfect, it's bring it back. <laughs> It's for sure. she's, she's good for it, but it's going to come out perfect. She won't yeah. let that happen. Um, but Lexi, thank you again for your time. It's been so awesome getting to jam with you today. And I'm just super proud of everything that you're doing and have definitely been an inspiration. And at the time when I was going through my thing, like I completely forgot what had happened to you. And I think that that is like, people should take comfort in that, right? Because when you're going through the moment, you think like everybody's fucking looking at you, Yeah, but they're not like, our level of self-awareness in terms yeah. of like our sense of self. Most people are worried about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Always looking out for number one. That's the way you're obsessing over whether someone's looking at you. That's about you. No one cares. No one, no one cares. cares about what you're wearing, what you look like. No They're focused cares. on themselves. Yeah. If it makes you feel good, then that's why you do it. Yeah. Done. End of story. Have an awesome day, guys. Thanks so much for having me, Krista. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review, comment, like it, share it, tell all your people, shout it from the rooftops. This is The Fix. Let's link up and we will catch you guys later. Have a great day. Bye.